In keeping with our constitutional sheriff theme, we've got one for you today, Lorain County. You're going to want to pay attention to this show. It's time to do a podcast. Welcome to Pop Bless America. I'm Jim. And I'm Dan. So, Sheriff Lamb, welcome. Thank you. I got to bring you two on as my hype men all the time. Oh, just, all you have on. to do is just go along. Just put your mask on. Just because I might not agree with it, that doesn't mean I lose my right to parent my kid. Leave the, leave the jokes to me, Chief. This is what gets Jim fired up. It's not communism that's going to destroy this country. It's not socialism that's going to destroy this country. What's going to destroy this country is apathy. Don't count on anybody coming to save you. It is time to save ourselves. And you know who can save us, Dan? Who can save us jim our county sheriff that's who can save us now phil stamitty lorraine county sheriff right now is not running again mm. good news okay all right phil stamitty has turned into a politician uh, i have not had a lot of good things to say about him in the past however we've got a field now uh, we've got three that are running and we've got one here today who is running and that's rick thomas uh, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time you've heard me talk about rick thomas he was my prior chief before the current Chief, oh, we'll call it the situation. Oh, the Before the situation. situation. Before the situation in North Ridgeville, uh, Rick Thomas actually hired me as a captain uh, out there, um, and I consider him to be a mentor. Uh, a lot of what I learned, uh, leadership that I learned, um, how to be a uh, an ethical policeman, I learned was from him. So um, I'll let him introduce himself, uh, Chief Thomas. It's on you. Well, good evening. My name is Rick Thomas, and I am currently a candidate for Loring County Sheriff. A little bit about myself. I'm a U.S. Army veteran. I served two tours in the service. Uh, my first tour, I was with the 101st Airborne Division as an infantryman. I re-enlisted, went to MP school, and served the last four years as a military police officer, two years in the States, and the last two years overseas. I uh, got out of the service in 1978, uh, worked at Loring County Community College briefly. 1979, I was hired as a police officer for the city of North Ridgeville. Uh, worked my way up through the ranks, uh, sergeant, lieutenant, captain, chief, and uh, spent 32 years there, just about 32, uh, about the last 10 as chief, with what I thought was the best law enforcement agency in Loring County. Hands down. And I say that because when we hired at North Ridgeville, we did not hire just looking to fill a vacancy. We looked at the chemistry of the agency and how that person would add and bond to that agency. And we always looked at every hire as a 30-year hire and became part of the North Ridgeville Police family. Uh, it's a very, very difficult job, as you know. It's a field that has more than twice the suicide rate of the normal population, despite the fact that every police officer that's hired today is psychologically vetted to do that job. So uh, after North Ridgeville, uh, I retired in 2011, and I began uh, working as a criminal investigator for the Loring County Prosecutor's Office. I would like to say that's also known as the dark day, but okay. go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'll be honest with you. I, I, the only reason I retired was uh, it was a mandate of drop. Uh, those of you who are familiar with the Deferred Retirement uh, Option Program, and uh, you either leave or you forfeit all your gains there. And I just couldn't figure out a way to make up the money. Uh, and it would have been unfair to my family to do that. Um, and this is one of the problems with drop, right? Everybody gets into drop because they're like, hey, man, I'm eligible. I'm out. But then eight years later, you got to go. It's and not even, that, it's not even eight guys. years later you got to go. Uh, I think when they originally in, installed the drop, it was because – you know, the people were hanging out maybe a little too long and sure. they wanted to give you the incentive to get out, not seeing what, what's happening. But now. the problem is when you get a chief like Thomas here and eight years comes, 
Where He's got to go. Where you going, bud? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> He's walking out the door. We're all like, sir, <laughs> sir. We're all pulling our money together. I'm like, look, I got $27. What, what can you give this guy? I, uh, man, it was the fastest eight years of my career. Well, I was in drop. It, sure. it was like watching a, um, a clock tick off every day. Um, and I dearly missed it after I left. Uh, you know, they, they were just <laughs> trust super, me. We missed you too. <laughs> just super uh, guys, the men and women of that agency, and not just all the police officers, uh, the young explorers that were part of our scouting program, uh, the young and old of our auxiliary. What more could you ask for than citizen volunteers to give their time, sometimes their money with regard to uniforms and equipment, to come out and patrol and assist our officers and, uh, you know, help us when we did our Citizens Police Academy, which was one of the great things I think we did there uh, for community policing and community involvement. But back to the point, after I left the uh, office, uh, I continued to work, and Sheriff's Committee was kind enough to carry my commission as a uh, special deputy. In 2016, uh, I was recruited to come over to the sheriff's office as the director of law enforcement. I stayed there in 2016 and 2017 uh, before returning to the Loring County Prosecutor's Office uh, as a criminal investigator. Uh, while I was at the prosecutor's office, I was the lead investigator on a major gambling case. Uh, that involved uh, six counties, and we used law enforcement officers from seven counties, culminating in one day we served 96 warrants in a six-county area, uh, utilizing 340 investigators and officers serving 96 search warrants and seizure warrants. Uh, that brought in about $1.5 million in illegally gotten goods, and the bulk of that money was returned to the local law enforcement agencies to assist their communities in crime-fighting efforts. Uh, and I'm, I'm very proud of the effort we put into that and the work. Um, that, that was, a, a, for my time at the prosecutor's office, that's probably one of my keynote times. Um, also... Um, the uh, homicide in Vermilion, uh, we handled that, got a conviction on that. Oh, uh, uh, what's his name? It's Tree Guy? Uh, God, what was his name? Uh, yeah, I'm drawing a blank. Um, Couldn't tell you. Shimko. Simcoe. 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 Yeah, uh, the Simcoe murder. Uh, his wife. That language for a couple of years. His wife. Um, be on notice. Mm. I know the way you talk to her sometimes. <laughs> be on notice. I'm just telling you. Because they're going to come to me and they're going to say, did you ever see her doing this? I'm going to be like, yes. So <laughs> they ahead, might Chief. see you doing this the way I talk to you sometimes. <laughs> Fair and enough. then also we had the Michael Fine case, the attorney that uh, we had 26 oh, yeah. victims on that uh, where he's using hypnotism. And, uh, you know, we got a conviction on that. So those are some really, really good cases, a little unique, a little different uh, that you didn't see every day. And uh, I was proud to work on those. In 2019, I was afforded the opportunity to come to Loring County Community College, where I had previously been an adjunct faculty instructor and a police academy instructor. And uh, I was given the position of police academy commander, uh, which I hold to this day. Um, I wanted to get into that a little bit because even in my field of boiler operators, we're not seeing a lot of really, really, really good applicants come in. Uh, especially the younger ones, and I wanted to. I want to know uh, where you think the disconnect is there. Well, I think the disconnect is the media. It's very difficult to attract people to a profession where the media vilifies them, uh, makes them look like they're evil, when in fact they're probably the shining example of what's right with our youth of America today. I'm always proud when I graduate an academy class and I look at the effort. Our academy is 24 weeks long. 
the academy days with homework are about 12 hours a day. It's physically demanding. It's mentally demanding. It's done in a paramilitary fashion. Uh, they're exposed to tear gas. They're exposed to pepper spray. They're tasered. Uh, they take bites from canines. Um, mm. You know, we do mm. red man. Speaking my language. Uh, so they work very, very hard. Uh, well, and, and I would go even further, right? I mean, the media, not only do they vilify them, but the media has made it clear that if you make one mistake with um, a person, let's say of color, or somebody that the media decides you should not have used force on, not only could you lose your livelihood, you could lose your house, your family is now going to be under attack, and this is all media-driven. So who in their right mind is coming out of college? Who in their right mind is coming out of the military and saying, you know what I want to do with my life? I think I want to take a career where I could lose everything and end up in prison. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> right, right. Off a traffic stop for speed. That's yep. what I want to do. Mm -hmm. So it is. It's tough to get them. And I will say that, I mean, along with FTOs, that the academy... Anybody who goes to Lorraine Academy, uh, Lorraine Com uh, Community College Academy, is fortunate to have a guy who is so passionate. Now, look, you guys are going to think when you're listening to this that I'm just rah rah cheerleading this guy, right? But I guess you would have needed to live my life. You would have needed to be there with him. All right, I've been in trouble with Rick Thomas plenty of times. <laughs> right? We're going to get into that. Oh, trust me. I can tell you, I have been in Rick Thomas's office where he's like. Close the door. Is there any officer in your <clears throat> tenure at chief that made it in there more than he did? Oh, yeah. I'm not asking you. Oh. <laughs> you know, Jim would clearly have to be in the top five. <laughs> okay. That's probably okay. fair. That's probably okay. fair. But, but, but nothing bad. No, no use of force. To be fair, we had a policy of self-reporting, which I've continued on in the academy. And you can always lessen the punishment if you've done something wrong, if you come up and admit it right away. Uh, for instance, I had a sergeant one time on patrol that swore at a, at a person who was being, he was drunk and disorderly, but even so, the officer should not have sworn at him. And uh, the, the officer came to my office right away and said, hey, look, I'm on video. Uh, I, I swore at this guy. And, uh, you know, and then he made a deal of it. And, and, and I'm not saying the guy was wrong for making a deal of it. I mean, he was drunk. You know, he, was, yeah. he was being outrageously disturbing in the community. But, you know, the officers are trained, you know, not to swear at him like that. Um, so the officer got disciplinary action. And about a day later, the resident called and he wanted to know, oh, he wanted to file a complaint. And I told him the officer had already self-reported. The officer had already been disciplined. And that really diffused the situation. That was all he wanted was that he had been heard and that somebody took action on inappropriate behavior. And we did. And I never, ever had a problem like that with that sergeant again. Uh, but that's a prime example of, you know, we, we cut that off at the pass because he came up and admitted mm -hmm. what he had done. He recognized he had violated policy. And I think if you treat people fairly, and you're up front with them, they're going to respect that policy for the most part and come and tell you, hey, you know, chief, I stubbed my toe on this. And, uh, you know, so now let's see what we can do to remedy it, make sure it doesn't happen again. And look, sometimes that might cost a day off or three days off, uh, but it's much better than uh, stretching things out. Those are rookie numbers. <laughs> Listen, I, I can tell you more than once I've been up in his office and Went up there for whatever, right? I had a little problem with running late to work sometimes. Um, but I would be up there with whatever. Yeah, and he would know. call me in. He's like, hey, look, 
you know what? We got to handle business. I would sit there. He would yell at me. He would give me three days off. And when that, when I signed that thing, never once did I grieve anything with this guy. It was fair. I deserved it. I would sign it. And as soon as I signed it, he would sit back in his chair and say, how are the girls doing? And that's how it was. He actually has a heart. How are the girls doing? And he wanted to know. And the next day when I came in, he slapped me on the back and joking around. We handled business, but he was still there for you afterwards. He was a human. He didn't hold a grudge. Right. Wow. He was a human. Wow. Yes, sir. That's that's yes, sir. That's, that's new. <laughs> that's cool. But So, Mike, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. So, he is, <laughs> I just want to, I just know that, that, you know, Jim Larkin is responsible for some of the gray hairs you have gotten over the years because when we started this podcast, this beard wasn't gray right here. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about who's making who gray, right? <laughs> the stuff you say, the jokes you had for, for the Frederick Douglass episode with them. So, okay. We don't need to get into uh, that. But what I'm saying I'm is, sweating, <laughs> for the record, for the record, when we hired Jim, I did have hair. Yeah. <laughs> See? Do you remember what my dad told you when you hired me? God, please it, tell me. It, it had to be something about, please don't fire him until the Mustang is paid Yes, for. that was <laughs> it. He had, he had bought this outrageously <laughs> ugly, Ouch. yellow, caution yellow Mustang. It wasn't outrageous. Uh, Dude, that's how I got my nickname, Mustang Jim. But uh, go ahead. Okay. Nobody's ever called you Mustang. <laughs> yeah, all the guys at work, they're like, hey, yeah. as, soon as, as soon as I was splitting, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was Mustang yeah. Jim rides again. Oh, geez. Cheers to me. Cheers to him. So, but yeah, that was exactly it. He <laughs> called you and he said, "Hey, look, if you're going to fire him, I don't just give me a Mustang. heads up so that I can offload this Mustang." Yeah, wow. I, I think four hundred dollars a month back then. No, oh, it's more than that. Was, was it? it? Yeah, I think it was like four sixty-five. Oh, dude, it was. It was about something you do. It was about my house payment. <laughs> it was a hell of about a car. something you do. It was a hell of a car, dude. <laughs> Sounds about on par for Jim. <laughs> But anyway, very responsible. So, so, I mean, I even made this joke when he was going in about um, his class that he that he came in with. He got he got. I think you picked two of them out of his whole entire class. Yes, sir. Then I made some kind of me and Greg P. Tick. Yeah, and who still who still three hundred and fifty guys took the test. It was crazy. I made some kind of off putting joke about like, but so you got it? Like that's weird. Uh, But think about it. He's army. You're army, right? So that that probably helped you. That had to help, right? He's canine now, so I'm interested. I'm good at talking. Well, but I'm interested to know, and we never got to touch on this, and maybe I'd like to get his opinion on how he would approach the situation now. He has been so many years with a dog, right? He's been a canine all his life. 27 years. Now he gets to run his last four without a dog. That has to be so different. That has to change you. That has, you have to change, if you can even change, the mindset that you have as a, as a handler. So... So do you think, you know, you have any, any, any tips for, for the, the people he's working with now for how to handle somebody like that? Well, there's a number of ways. Um, number one, you can make him part of the canine program without having a dog. He can assist in training. He can assist in public demonstrations. He can assist in educational events. I will tell you that every year for every, at every academy class, we bring in Northridge LPD. And they do a canine demonstration. They talk about what the dog's capabilities are. Uh, They demonstrate those capabilities. Then we put various cadets in bite sleeves and bite suits, and they demonstrate uh, (laughs) uh, the passive-aggressive nature of the dog. Sure. Um, He's being too kind. And (laughs) These dogs go 
after those kids in the bite suit at about 40 yards, dude. And uh, full <laughs> it's blast. It's a hell of a thing. Fur missile. Oh, yeah, and it's yeah. always the loudest, like the most outspoken kid in the class. We're like, well, who's going to take the bite suit at 40 yards? <laughs> Chief's always like, this guy. We're right here. Yeah, well, well I, I will say Sergeant Sabo one time came up to me at a demo, and he goes, hey, that cadet over there hasn't shut up. Can we have him do it? So we, we put him in a suit. Volunteered uh, him. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, well, in told. the academy, there's a lot of voluntold. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, but Jim, quite frankly, and i got to be honest, all of the officers from Northridge Hill that have come into that class and have given that demonstration and that talk, they've been very well prepared, very well received. None of them are of the caliber Jim has given that talk at, and that is because of experience, but beyond experience, the passion he has for that program and that skill set. He's very, very good. He's down to earth. Uh, he relates very well with the cadet classes. Uh, so I've always been grateful for, and I understood why they started moving you out of there and letting some other people come in and talk. They needed the experience. Uh, but frankly, your passion for that should Look, not be a wasted skill. Uh, the public talks, community talks, and working with the canine unit, I think that's a great way to make use of that knowledge and skill. Let me tell you who this guy is. All right. So, as I was a patrolman there, you would constantly get handwritten notes from Chief Thomas. You would do something good, maybe something that didn't rise, and we've talked about this before, but something yep. that didn't rise to a letter of commendation or rise to, to the level of an award. But he's letting you know he's watching. But you know what you would get? You would get a handwritten note from him and said, hey, look, this incident number, fantastic job. You did a great job on that. I really appreciate your work. Thank you. All right? <clears throat> he's at the academy, and I went over there gave a couple talks, whatever. I get a handwritten note from him saying, hey, man, fantastic job. Gave me a challenge coin from the academy. He didn't have to do that, right? But that's who he is. That's who he is. He makes sure that those under him or those working for him understand that he appreciates them. And there are lessons to be learned there for certain people mm -hmm. who never learn those lessons. I would go to battle for Rick Thomas right now. If Rick Thomas showed up in front of my house and said, grab your rifle, get in. I'm not asking him, whoa, wait a minute. You know what? I'm watching the show right now. What do we got going on? You know what I'm doing? I'm grabbing my rifle. I'm getting in his car, and we'll talk on the way. Yep. We'll figure it out. Yep. I'm telling you, I would go to battle for this guy today for the way he treats his guys and for the way he cares about his guys. 100%. Let's move on. Let's move on to Lorain County Sheriff's Department. All right? Okay. So you've decided to run for sheriff. Yes. Why? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You, you've been retired. You've been dabbling here and there. He could be retired. Listen, his wife, Debbie, is here right now, and he could be just traveling the world right now. You know what? Not my problem. When you told her about the idea, what did she say? She was 100% on board. Um, right. I, look, I'm just going to be honest with you, and I'm very blessed. You know, we're going to celebrate 51 years of marriage this year. Uh, last year, she was kind enough to go to Las Vegas with me, and uh, we re renewed our vows at the Bellagio. Nice. Oh. Uh, so, uh, How yeah. How come I wasn't your best man? Who was your best man? Uh, yeah, we went San's best man last year. Oh. So, but so uh, she was... You know how long 51 years is? Not long enough. Yeah, that's what happens when you get married at four. <laughs> You're such a <laughs> douche. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we have talked about this for some time, and... Uh, Actually, the first time I thought about running for sheriff was when um, uh, Sheriff Mahoney was stepping down, and I, I thought about it seriously back then. Uh, what year was that? 
Um, that had to be around. I got hired under Mahoney. 2001. Oh, I'm thinking that would have uh, been absolutely horrible uh, for me. Because <laughs> Sheriff's Committee, who uh, quite frankly is a friend of mine, um, you know, he he'll in 2024 he'll complete 24 years there at the sheriff's office, um, and uh, you know, and he's been very good to me. He's carried my commission since I retired. Um, and I also held a commission in Kipton and I would volunteer my time there. Um, so, you know, I've stayed pretty active and of course you keep up with the CPT training and everything else. I think it's safe to say law enforcement. I mean, I don't want to be cliche, right? But law enforcement's in your blood. I mean, it's not going, you're like my dad. And I was just thinking about that. His father has three different like careers in his lifetime. Two of them being, yeah, two of them being law enforcement. I mean. And one of them being military. Yeah. I mean, he believes in protecting. He believes in, in enforcing the rule of law, be it through military might or through through a commission. And he's got good stories. And I think this is the same. I think Rick Thomas believes in the rule of law. Maybe, I'm, I don't want to speak for you, but I believe that you believe in the rule of law to the point that, how old are you right now? I am 68. 68 years old and going strong, bro. Dude. Going strong. My partner on the boilers is 68 years old. This guy was in the mills in the 70s. This guy is in better shape than me. This guy can crawl around just as much equipment as I can. How about the 22-year-old guy you work with? How's that, how's that guy <laughs> He's doing? He's not as good shape as, <laughs> as, as my partner where I work. And shout out to that guy because he lives a lifestyle like that. There's not a day goes by he doesn't get 12 you know, to 20,000 steps in making his rounds. He yeah. eats right. Oh, for sure. And 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 I tell you what, you know, your generation and, and at the top end of your generation, like uh, the guys that can set sail and end up leaving and sitting on the couch, they just wither away. Yep, and, and, for and, sure. And we lose the knowledge and we lose everything. So hey, Dan. stay on. Hey, Dan. You kind of squirreled off there for a second. Let the guy much. talk. So, so anyway, you were saying Martin Mahoney, <laughs> that's the first I, time you thought about I it. I looked at it back then, and my wife God, and I so actually went didn't. to one of the fundraisers, and we saw the machinery that the other side had already, and we said, there's just no way we're going to be able to overcome that. Uh, so, you know, we put it in the back of our heads, and then uh, as time went on, um, you know, I worked with the Loring County Drug Task Force. Matter of fact, I was a founding member of the Loring County Drug Task Force. So for many years, I carried two commissions, a sheriff's commission uh, as a special deputy and as a uh, police officer. Um, and then well, after- that was one of the questions Dan had. Did you work? You didn't. Did you work with my dad over there? Off and on. I didn't work full time at the task force when your dad worked over there. But you guys were there together. At the oh, same yeah, time. Uh, absolutely. So okay. here's one of the things oh, I have sure. to say. Being mentioned in the same sentence with your father and those that don't know about Jim's father. Oh, they know. We have a whole segment. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think 116 <laughs> combat missions in Vietnam okay. as a. Yeah, he's, uh, got a, he's got his own theme song. As a naval aviator. Listen, yeah. My dad has been on this show and he has his own intro. Oh, I got to hear this. Everybody's ass in Vietnam Conquering the world in the FBI If you saw Jim's dad, you were gonna die Hey, it's Jim's dad <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. Uh, 
Uh, Shout out Nick Condor. Yeah, uh, Nick. That's a pretty good intro. Yeah. That's yeah. a pretty good intro. But anyway, uh, <laughs> if your dad listens to this, he's one of my favorite people. Uh, he is. Mine just, too. You know, when you but, look up but the words. But he's so clear. He's like, he's like, don't talk about me. I, don't I know. Don't but, but he don't. Is, he's like, listen, talk about all the other guys that flew in Vietnam, not me. Yeah, I, I like when you look up the word stud in the dictionary. It's got his picture. <laughs> See? He's a stud. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so, I got those but, genes, but, but go ahead. Okay, so that brings me to the guys. So as far as Sheriff goes, well, we, we put a post on our Facebook page and, and asked our listeners, you know, to drop questions. And Ruben asked, would you take the time to talk to your line officers, uh, specifically jail, and praise hard work and dedication, or will you hide in your office and ignore everything? Well, I, I think anybody that knows me knows that I'm going to meet with everyone in every unit, and we're going to do a command survey. And it's very similar to what the Department of Defense requires from all military units. Uh, you look and see what are you doing well? What are you perhaps not doing so well? What are areas that you can improve in? Uh, what are areas of management that you should change? And uh, then you take a good hard look at those, but you listen to everyone. I think if I had anything that was going for me as chief of police, it was that I realized I was never the smartest man in the room. Now, I think I'm a pretty bright guy. But the fact of the matter is, just because you make rank and you're the chief doesn't mean that you have the answer to every question. And it is a scary thought if you think you have the only answer to every question. You have all these people out there, and they have a lot of brain power. They have a lot of life experience combined more than me. So it's important to listen to them. It's important to listen to people who are the boots on the ground and doing the daily task every day. I think it's important for whoever the CEO is, the chief, the sheriff, the commander, to set the vision and the mission and to, to communicate that uh, through the ranks, to have open lines of communication, both up and down. And everybody, you know, we would have meetings with the command staff. And in those closed-door meetings, they could certainly disagree with anything that I had come up with or the, the way I was thinking. Uh, and many times my lieutenants or sergeants would say, we're very convincing. I'd say, okay, well, I, I see the error of my ways. Perhaps we should do it this way. The only thing that I think is important is when you leave that room, you speak with one voice as in unified command. And if you don't speak with that unified voice, I think it sends a poor message to the troops. And I think it causes dissension and they're not sure which way they're going. So I believe in giving everyone a voice. Now, that being said, uh, when the rubber hits the road, there can only be one boss, okay? So you prepare for that before the rubber makes that trip, all right? Um, but those command surveys, I think, are vitally important. Open roads of communication, uh, channels of communication are vitally important. And the, the military drives this home so well, I believe. You have two main goals. You have accomplishment of the mission, whatever that may be and welfare of the troops. And those are almost collateral uh, or, or co-equal as you were, co-equal in their importance. If you're not taking care of the troops, they can't get the mission done. And if you're not mission-oriented, you're going to sway from what you need to be doing. So when did you become chief, North Ritual? Uh, 2001. All right, so in 2001, we all sat down. Look, this is not a politician right here that is, that is just giving you what he thinks you want to hear. All right. Under what mayor? Deanna Hill? 
yes. Yeah, yeah it would have been Hill. Yes. Yeah, nice work. Who I got Did you look that up? Well. No, no. But I, I, I ran alongside her car during one of the parades, and I <laughs> pretended to be Secret Service, and she got a kick out of Such it. Such around that time. Anyway, 2001. <laughs> Rick Thomas becomes Chief North Ridgeville. The very first thing he does is department-wide. We were all up in the in the meeting room, up in the squad room, or up in the uh, training room. Training room. Thank you. Now the Don Moore Memorial yeah. training room. It is the Don Moore Memorial. God uh, bless Don Moore. Yeah, man. Uh, you know that picture I took him too. I love it, mm-hmm. but he forgot to put his badge on. And still to this day, when I see it, I'm like, God, it makes me so mad. But yeah, uh, Don Moore, man, he was he was a good guy. Anyway, maybe we should do an episode on Don Moore. He was a good guy. Anyway, uh, tell Rick, me, tell me more. Rick, Tom- stop it. <laughs> Rick Thomas has everybody up there, and basically says, "Look, here's what I expect of you. Here's what you can expect of me." And his big saying was, "All I'm asking for is an honest day's work for an honest day's pay." Right? Don't come here and and screw off. Come here and do your job. Do what you're supposed to do, get paid, meet the standard, right? Everybody wants to talk about, uh, you know, quotas, things like that. Well, I can tell you that Rick Thomas never had a quota. What Rick Thomas had was a performance standard, and there is a big difference, all right? If everybody on your shift is writing eight tickets a month, then you're writing eight tickets a month. If everybody in your shift is writing 15, you're writing 15. If everybody in your shift's writing two, which, eh, that hurts a little bit, but... That's the performance standard. You're going to be working at the level that your shift is working at. You're not going to be the guy who is in the bottom quarter, who is doing nothing and getting paid the same as these guys out here that are working, that are out there humping it, right? So he came out. He was honest with everybody. This is what I expect. He opens it up to questions, and we drove on from there. Hmm. But you went into this thing knowing exactly what was expected of you and what you were going to get from him. Never had to walk on eggshells around Never him? had to walk on eggshells. Uh, Stop it. I know what you're trying to pull me into, and I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to talk about. So, so I'm sorry that both of you don't get a chance to really serve any time in the new police station because you guys had to spend so many years. You no, I'm not because that's not our station. Listen, you know what? This... Uh, I'm going to turn off uh, Rick Thomas's <laughs> mic right now because he has nothing to do with this conversation. Let me tell you something. That is not our station. That is his station. That's got nothing to do with me. I don't want to be there. The guys don't want to be there. Look, turnover that we have now was unheard of under Rick Thomas. Unheard of. We lost what? Maybe George Adams. He went to HUD. Yeah, he went federal. H- housing and urban development? Well, federal agent. Yeah, yeah much yeah. more money. Well, oh, okay. A lot more. Okay. And to be honest... I, I remember doing the at-home interview with his parents, and uh, I think uh, myself and Barry Accordi were there, and uh, we told his mom and dad, so we're going to take a shot on your son. I uh, said, so, but my guess is in five years, he's going to leave and go to the feds. And within five years, he left and went wow. to the feds. Yeah. Wow. Right. Who was the other one? Was there another one? Uh, George Rupel. Oh, went to Avon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, it was unheard of. I mean, that was a department that people came, and they stayed. They stayed for the leadership. And he says that he had one of the best departments around. That is no lie. Back under Chief Thomas, we were the best department in Lorain County, and I would even put us northern Ohio. We were the best. People would come here to stay, right? We were in the best shape. You put our guys up against any of these guys out there. We were in the best shape. We had the most training. We were the place to be. And that has all gone by the wayside. I digress. 
Go ahead, sir. Well, well, what I was saying was um, it saddens me that you guys don't get to see it because you're going to have lung issues here in a couple of years because of the building you were in. (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) Ah, I don't think we had had asbestos, and I think we were okay. I I don't know. We weren't fire station. uh, What was (laughs) it? One, for God's sake. No, one. On Lorraine. Yeah, yeah, all the asbestos. (laughs) No, on on 83. Oh, the old one on 83. Yeah, Yeah, true that. So so, uh, I just. And we didn't sleep there. Yeah, so oh. it just I, I like to see you guys or, or get rewarded with that, and, and it hurts to see that you don't get it. So I actually went to an older department now. So let's 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 test your memory a little bit, okay? I'm gonna throw something at you, and I want to see if you know the answer to this. Okay. I have no idea where this is going. I was born in 1980. Mm-hmm. Went to Wilcox Elementary School in 1985. All right. Okay. Who was my dare officer? Oh, that's 1985, easy. 1985, I'm guessing Skip Hofstetter. Yeah, it was yeah, Skip. Yeah, yeah, sure it was Skip Hofstetter. <laughs> yeah, you got any funny stories or anything you Dude, want to Dude, I rode with officers? Skip when I first got on. I rode with Skip during my orientation. I had nothing going on one day, and they were like, yeah, just go out with Skip. I remember we were on Bainbridge, and a car blows a stop sign in front of us at like 35 miles an hour. He is on two wheels making that turn onto Bainbridge. And I, I figure we're going to go, man. I look at Skip. I'm like, we going? He's like, nah, he's probably got somewhere to be. <laughs> I'm like, Does that sound like Skip? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to go with that. <laughs> I'm like, Skip, Skip. Hey, listen, Skip was a good dude, man. But yeah, you know what? When I got hired, it was a different world. And we had guys, we had older guys that had been there that I remember calling my dad one night and said, I think I made a mistake. Because of Mitchell? Uh, no, Jimmy was actually pretty hard-hitting. Uh, but there were there were guys there that were doing things and just acting in a way that I, I guess I never thought a police department would do. Okay. And, and nothing illegal, right? Nothing, I mean, they would... I'm just talking about showing up with uniforms that look like you worked in the barn all day, which you probably did, right? Showing up and 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 going and putting hay in your car and taking it home at night. And I it just, I mean, it was just, you know, I mean, we had one guy who was dumpster diving for Christ's sake. Um, I just, I remember calling my dad and being like, look, I made a mistake. I don't think this is where I belong. Let's fast forward to Rick Thomas taking over and things. Now, that is not to talk bad about Ron Bauer, who was chief. Ron Bauer understood the position of chief, and he left. He delegated a lot to Rick Thomas. And uh, Captain Thomas, at the time, did what he could do to change that place. Come 2001, there, changes were. There was a new sheriff in town? <laughs> there was a new sheriff in town, Jack, and changes were coming quick. <clears throat> Training was coming quick. Mm-hmm. Guys were becoming professional. We were hiring, we were, the older guys were retiring and we were bringing in professional guys. And within years, he turned this place into a professional department. And so I did my first seven, eight years there and man, never looked back until you left. But my biggest beef with Mitchell was he was sitting in his driveway, clacking radar, getting OT and we're like, "What, what is this shit? Well, listen, I like Jimmy Mitchell. I'm just saying he has the most expensive house in North Ridgeville. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's only it's, that house is valued at 1.2 million dollars for the amount of times it's been remortgaged but i digress <laughs> so in the morning journal write-up about you um you know it says as chief you managed a budget of more than five million i'm sure it's more now uh, oh, i'm sure probably it crazy yeah, uh, a force of over 40 uh i bet it's not oh you think they cut it 
They defunded the police in Ridgeville? Nope. But the police have defunded themselves. Oh, we talked about that. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But still, uh, a budget of more than $5 million, you had a force of over 40 sworn officers. Um, Actually, you're, right at 40. Right at 40. Your number was 39. What was your number? Well, yeah, 49. but as, as guys retire, they retire their badges, too. Okay. Yeah, so, the, number, the number you get when you come on board, that stays with you, your career. You know, they just hired number 100, right? No. I yeah. I thought I would always be there to see it. I uh, just missed it. Yeah, go ahead. And you digress. I digress. <laughs> so uh, 40 officers, and uh, I don't think they're quite at that number right now. I think they're they're struggling to, to hit a number, right? Uh, they're probably right around there because we got up a little higher than 40. I know that there are several that are looking at leaving, and if that happens, they're going to be below 40. I want to know how you feel because we've gone over this in depth, and when I read your morning journal, and it said, you know, not only is there 40 sworn officers, you had a full-service dispatch operation. Yes, we did. And I don't think we have that now. Nope. I think it's a little different. Um, and no then maybe, it, is that a county Lorraine, thing? Is that a yeah, city Lorraine, thing? Lorraine County is running midnight shift now. Okay, so it's just, so it's not full, uh, f- fully staffed. Um, you have a city jail, which we have a city jail. We're building a new one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that we don't use right now. We take all of our prisoners to Lorraine County. So that's all. That's one of the questions guys have. It's like, why are we expanding the jail and not giving the, the workspace to the guys? Anyway, go ahead. Because eventually they're just going to lock you in there to do the work anyway. I guess. So maybe it will be a <laughs> workspace. Ah. So uh, you had the Police Explore, Explorer program. Yes. Was that one of your programs or did you uh, adopt it as, as you took over as chief? Uh, we adopted that as I took over as chief. Okay. That was oh. actually, I think we started that when we I was did. a captain. And uh, I want to say Tony Lee was probably the advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, the Explorers is an extension of the Boy Scouts of America, but it's boys or girls. And I have to tell you, Tony Lee, who's now lieutenant there at the North Ridgeville, he just did a superb job with that. And mm-hmm. that takes, that is a lot of time that you are not compensated for. That's time that you're volunteering to the community and the agency. Uh, the kids loved him. Uh, he w- took them to competitions. They went to Washington, D.C. Um, they would have ride-alongs with the officers. They they were very, very, it's a very, very good program. It was a good community policing program. And it was a good organization for introducing the youth of our community into what uh, law enforcement really was. And you had said that you could name a few the kids that came up through there, or was that? Oh, I remember part? a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I remember a lot of them, and a lot of them have gone on to law enforcement careers. Um, you know, one of the things, though, is our our auxiliary program we had there. Oh, yeah, I'm not and, done. Well, because that's next, right? From police program, it right, goes to right. auxiliary police unit. We hired a lot of our auxiliaries. Because they put the time in with you. Not only put the time in, but they were solid guys. We'd see them at the Corn Fest, working parking. We'd see them at the parades. We'd see them everywhere. Yeah, not like most auxiliary agencies in Loring County, for the most part, with very few exceptions, our auxiliaries were never getting paid. Uh, and if, let's say, the Corn Festival gave them a donation, it went to the organization, not to the officers themselves. Um, they were just an absolutely fantastic asset, a great, bright and shining example of community spirit at work where they would come in and volunteer their time. And, and what's more precious than your time? Not even uh, signing up. Like, we'd have right. a storm roll through. We'd call three or four of these guys. We'd have seven show up. 
Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, they were a great force multiplier. And at one point, we had two formal F- former FBI agents on our auxiliary. Uh, we had some former police officers. We had people that were certified police officers and worked part-time with other agencies and would stay on our auxiliary. We had just a great, great unit. It's gone now. I'm sorry to hear that. Because so, I'll be so honest the explorers. With you. I, I the just, explorers are uh, gone too? Yeah, and the Citizens Academy. Which is next here, okay? And so the it bike says, unit. The bike unit's gone. It says that uh, to include instituting a community policing program, which placed an officer in every school, which we still have school resource officers now, yeah, we but that's two. but that's more led by the school and paid for by uh, federal funding or state funding, probably, right? Yeah, that program was generated uh, back, I want to say, around 06, 07, 08, uh, when the schools were having uh, shortfalls. Uh, the original program we had was they would pay for part of a dare officer salary. We would cover the rest. And because of their budget shortfalls, they weren't able to pay for any of that officers being in schools. We understood. And of course, the environment wasn't as volatile as it is today. But we understood the importance of having the officers in the school. So we developed uh, Operation Press, uh, Police Resources Enhancing School Security. And what we did was we met with the school superintendent and we met with the principals of every building and their administrative staffs. And we said, okay, if the police can't be here all the time, we're going to make sure they're there at some time every day at every school and maybe multiple times a day at every school. And what we want you to do is they're going to walk through the schools. That way they familiarize themselves with the buildings because before that it was only the DARE officers, the SROs, that would really know the buildings very well. So they would go through, look for any safety hazards. They would meet every day with an assigned administrative person who would relay to them any issues that needed to be addressed. We uh, did weekly and then monthly reports on this. And so you never knew when or where a police officer is going to be at a school, but we tracked that. They were in every school every day uh, and sometimes multiple times a day. Uh, And was that as good as having a full-time SRO in a school? Absolutely not. I don't think you can replace... uh, the value of a full-time SRO, but you work within the budget the taxpayers give you. Mm -hmm. And this was something that it enlightened our officers as to if they weren't working the schools, what the needs of that school were, the school layout, uh, the times that there were traffic issues there. And uh, it broadened the job experience of every officer on patrol because Maybe they weren't inclined to be the, a school resource officer or dare officer. They still got a part of that experience by going in, meeting with the teachers, seeing the students, being seen, walking the hallways. So I thought it was a mm-hmm. for a stopgap measure. I thought yeah. it was a pretty innovative uh, thing, and um, in you know, fairness, we were pretty happy. That policy is still in effect in Northridgeville. Every day that we go to work, you were assigned to a school, and you had to walk through that school at some point during the day. Huh. So that policy is still in effect. Good. Um, uh, Tramp Push is the guy at, at NRAC. Yeah. And he's my guy, man. I, I, I love seeing that guy. He's always carrying a positive attitude and he always, particip- he always participates in the dodgeball. Positive attitude. He always participates. Let, sh- let me read the last five <laughs> texts I got from that guy. <laughs> I'm saying out there in the world. Um, but he, um, he always participates in the dodgeball games and he gets to play. Frank's a great dude. Yeah. And, uh, and, and man, I see him and I'm, and I'm, I'm happy he's there in the eighties and nineties. I had the dare officer. At Wilcox, and then we never really saw officers unless they were pulling the bad kids out. <laughs> exactly. And, you. And, and a shout out to Come Frank. Here. 
Uh, for those that don't know it, you know, because I'm very proud of what our military does for this country. Uh, his son is a junior at West Point. Oh, uh, so wow. I'm, I'm just I know Frank and his family are very proud, but uh, he's going to continue on the military no. service no. in this country. I can't do that. Listen, they have this raffle every year for this gun, right? Every year, Frank assures me I'm going to win. <laughs> Three years going, never won. You know what? West Point's a scam. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. West Point's, they want my money every year for a new gun. Never win. All right. So listen, we are at 43. Dude, let's, let's keep going. Well, I agree. But let's get into the county issues. All right. Let's get in. Uh, look, I think we've established the fact that this guy does what he says he's going to do. He can turn the department around. Why Lorraine County? What do you now? I want to say, I want to come out and say, that my problems with Stamiti are not your problems with Stamiti, right? My problems with Stamiti are that he has he has been there too long, that he has become a politician, um, and my problems with him are morale issues, right? And and I have lived this firsthand, and I talk to those deputies out there, and he has lost touch with his deputies. That's my problem. All right, he has done great work in the past, but it's time to go. It is time for new blood to get in there. It's time for somebody who could restore Lorraine County to its former glory. Um, I know you're friends with them, and I know you don't want to talk bad about what's going on over there, but there are clearly things that need to be fixed there. What are you going to do to fix these things? Okay. Uh, initial disclaimer, Phil Stamitty is my friend. I think I respect him, um, and uh, I think the world of the guy. Um, so if there are issues... Uh, what would I do? I, I think I'd do the same thing I'd do with any other organization I was at. And you asked, why Lorraine County? I was there in 2016 and 2017, and I looked at it as what could be versus what was. And what was was good. Uh, I'm not knocking it in any way, shape, or form. But I looked at what could be and the people that were there and the passion they brought to their jobs. And as the patrol commander there, uh, it was more I had to grab the reins and pull back, not get behind the horses and push. They wanted to work. They wanted to do great things. They have some fantastic people over there uh, that I think the county really doesn't realize how great the workforce is there. And they do a job that I, in every graduation for the Academy Cadets, I talk about this. I said, people get in law enforcement. They do a job that is critiqued by so many and truly understood by so few. So my desire is I look and see that the county is different from every other organization in the number of jobs they have. Uh, protection of the courts, the full service jail, the sexual offender unit, the warrant unit, the civil processing of documents, uh, the court security unit, the road patrol, eight, working with 18 different townships, uh, still serving the needs of about 320,000 people in Loring County, over a 490.5 square mile area. Uh, you know, it is a huge undertaking. <laughs> And you consider this, and let's talk about those 18 townships, the unincorporated areas of the county. You're looking at very often there's three or four deputies working that entire county. And if you have to go from the north to the south, uh, I have run lights and siren. It's taken me over a half hour to get on a hot call sometimes. Yeah, we've joked around about that when we're running four-wheelers in places we shouldn't. I'm going to uh, call the sheriff. Like, all right, we got about we got about 40 minutes. Exactly. And that's one thing. Uh, you know, for the citizens, you're thinking, okay, that's a long time for a response to come. And it is. When the deputy's putting his life on the line, that's an eternity out there by himself. So one of the things I like to do is, and I recognize 
Loring County Sheriff's Office is never going to be the highest paid agency in Loring County. North Ridgeville was never the highest paid agency in Loring County. So what can you do to make people want to stay and not move at the agencies? You know, there's a number of things. Number one, I think the open lines of communication. You talk to the people and you make them feel valued. You hold people to a standard because I think people will rise to the level that you hold them to. And I have a rather high standard, and sometimes that frightens people. Uh, but I think once you talk to them and explain to them they're going to be treated fairly, they will rise to that standard. And I think that standard is something that the residents of Loring County want, expect, and deserve. Uh, so it goes back to what you'd said, uh, a day's work for a, a fair day's wages. Now, what can we do to make that deputy feel good and stay there and maybe not look at an agency that takes less money? One is training. If you recall in North Ridgeville, we had specialists in any number of fields. If you were a traffic crash guy, we didn't train you just one time, two times. Every year you went to something that built on that specialty. Well, and your guys in the CVSA, those sons of bitches. Listen, <laughs> I would be lucky to go Who's to Columbus. I, well, CVSA is Computer Voice Stress Analyzer, right? Okay. So it's all the detectives. Yeah. I would be lucky to go to Columbus. These sons of bitches would go to CVSA school in like Orlando every year. I'm like, come They're on. They're like sending the pictures from the beach and shit. <laughs> I know. They're like, yeah, just got out of class. Click. Yeah, they're on the beach. I'm like, sons of God dang. <laughs> anyway, but I, ahead, think, I think you make the officers, uh, and, and by that I don't mean just the deputies. I'm talking about the corrections officers, the administrative staff. You take note of their work. and Where their work is deficient, you bring it to their attention. You have them rise to that level that you expect. But where they exceed, and they will very often exceed expectations, I think you have to take a moment and just give them a pat on the back and say, hey, look, you're doing a heck of a job here. And maybe nobody else notices, but I noticed the job you're doing, and I want you to know it's appreciated. I think you get to them with training, and you make them professionals in their little nooks uh, that they specialize in, whether that's a drone, whether that's in human trafficking, whether that's in being a detective, a CVSA oh, examiner. Man. I think those are the things you can do. You make them feel appreciated. Listen, you, uh, I, okay. Oh, God. This is everything you've been missing for the past. No, well, oh. you know what? It's everything I have now in North Olmstead. This guy and Bob Wagner could be best friends. It's unbelievable. Uh, first thing I want to say is that I just noticed his wife, Debbie, who is here, mm -hmm. doesn't want to be in the podcast. Yep. But she is here, and she's nodding and smiling and giving notes. And she's, yeah, she's great, right? Every time I roll my eyes, she looks at me like, what the hell's wrong with she's you? She's like, I don't know about this. So let me tell you what just happened. So while he's talking, she mm -hmm. looks over, she looks at all of our bottles from season one, <laughs> and she looks at me with judging eyes, right? She's like, oh my God, I didn't realize Jim Lark was an alcoholic, right? So as you're pouring a little splash of, of Derringer. <laughs> and it went a little bigger than I thought. But from, from Donnie Galvin at Cross Country Mortgage. <laughs> shout out. So, hey, if you call him right now and mention Pod Bless America, you get a free what, I don't uh, know, loan. A free loan. Anyway, listen, I want to get back to this. Lost supplies last. So everything that Chief Thomas was saying, soon to be Sheriff Thomas, if we're lucky in this county, um, there is going to be an adjustment period there. Guys are not going to be happy. A lot of guys are. Some guys are not. And some guys are going to leave. And if you elect him and you see five, six, seven deputies leave, those are the deputies that you want to leave. And the reason they are leaving 
is because a guy is coming in here with standards. There is no more. You're doing what you're doing. This is the way we're doing things now. Yeah, shit's not going to fly anymore. Right, right. This bullshit that you're doing when you go out on the road and you're not doing anything is going to stop. Those are going to be the guys that leave. You cannot panic when you see those initial guys leave. Because I can assure you that he will turn Lorraine County into a professional sheriff's department and you will have guys applying. You've got my word on that. And listen, I come to you every week. My word means something to you guys. I'm telling you right now, this, I'm, if you, I'm telling you, you missed the chance right here. You know what this is? This is Biden getting elected over Trump. That's what this is. If you do not elect Rick Thomas as your sheriff, you are going to pay in the long run. All right. There are, and I'm not going to talk bad about guys. There are guys that I think are more politicians than they are service oriented at this point. This guy right here is service oriented. He is going to do what he can to make this the best sheriff's department in Ohio. And I will be very surprised if it's not. And I will retire and I will come here and I will work for him as a injury level deputy at 70 <laughs> years old. <laughs> so I'm just telling you. That's funny. What do you uh, got, Dan? I'll, Let's talk. You know what? You want to talk about the Second Amendment, Dan? Well, I'm laughing. I just want to say, like, this guy, you know the city at Ridgeville really well. I think so. Like the back of your hand, <laughs> right? But Still we, lives there. But we always make a joke, and, and it's not really a joke, because when we do podcasts at night and people pull up <clears> to the studio, uh, we had uh, Josh McTarian's widow, Holly McTarian, here, and she uh, she got out of her car, and she, like, threw a few Hail Marys and was like, well, if it's my time, it's my time. <laughs> exactly. so she walked she in thought, the door, you know. Thought we were going to um, kill her. The Amherst bus driver that, that went off on the kids. <laughs> mm -hmm. we, we had a, a two-part with her, didn't we? Was it yeah, yeah. yeah. By the way, she's a hero. Her name's know. Jackie Miller. <laughs> Same thing. She was like, I wasn't sure if I was in the right place. You've known this city for a while, and you, you, know, you have your lovely wife with you. You still had to walk in this building and clear it before you went back out there to get her. Well, yeah, when I looked in the window and saw all the booze bottles, I was like, I'm not sure this is where I'm supposed to be. No, this is. This is exactly uh, where you're supposed to be. Oh, so, God. So back to the 2A now. I'll get that out of the way. I like that. Um, um, I always try to preach that to people when you're pumping gas, be aware of your surroundings when you, you know, don't be a victim, you know, don't make it easy to be a victim. Don't be afraid to splash some people with gasoline if they get too close. <laughs> right. Like I'm, I'm, I swear, like pod bless America does not endorse the last statement that was made by our host. Um, and, and you did, and you do, and you, and it's just instilled in you as, 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 as a human and as, and as, as an officer to come and just make sure, just to make sure. Right. Uh, so we're, we'll jump into second A. Uh, there's people that uh, that wrote onto our Facebook page when we asked the questions, and uh, I guess one of the first questions is, you know, what does it mean for you to uh, to pr uh, protect and defend? Well, I, it goes back to uh, my youth. Uh, you know, at 17 years old, I was in the army and in the infantry, and you take that oath to serve against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I took that oath seriously. I repeated that oath when I reenlisted. And you take an oath similar to that when you become a patrolman and then a sergeant and a lieutenant, a captain, and a chief. And certainly if I'm fortunate enough and the voters select me as sheriff, you'll take that oath again. Uh, that oath is important to me. And, you know, I think any man or woman worth their salt, uh, if they stand up in front of others and take that oath, then they have to take it seriously. So to serve and protect. Serve, I think, is... That, that covers a lot of things. Everybody thinks sometimes service and law enforcement 
uh, is enforcing the law. I will tell you my my career, and I've been in law enforcement over 40 years, the two key things that stand out to me that are in service in law enforcement uh, happened at uh, Christmas and New Year's one year apart. Uh, Christmas Eve, uh, I was in the station, and at that time, it was uh, back in the 80s, uh, we would respond to every ambulance call. And we had called down to a house on Route 83, and a 14-year-old girl was giving birth. And so I arrived uh, shortly ahead of the squad, and we get there, and she is in full labor, and it is a breech birth. And I can remember the Christmas tree and the gifts, and we were kicking everything out of the way to, to get things going. And the baby would only partially deliver, and the head was stuck in the birth canal, and the body was turning blue. We were trying to get an airway in and weren't able, and uh, we were all feeling like we were going to lose this baby. And I remember we picked her up and put her on the gurney, and the shifting of her hips, the baby came out and started crying. Uh, I can tell you, the baby wasn't the only one crying. Uh, it was it was a very emotional time, and I think if you uh, go along with the birth of Christ uh, and it being at Christmas time, it really really affected me, and it was one of the the major things. It was the first time I'd ever helped uh, give birth, and uh, it was unique and wonderful and natural experience, uh, despite the circumstances. Uh, the very next year, I'd spent all day on New Year's with my family, and you know you had the warm feelings and everyone's in town and it it was a a great day and then I had to work a midnight shift in North Ridgeville and uh, it was a beautiful night I'm driving down Center Ridge Road and you could have thrown a bowling ball down the road not hit anybody there was a light snow falling it was a white covered ground Mm -hmm. the Christmas lights were still blinking blinking and twinking and uh, somebody runs out of a house and waves me down on Center Ridge Road so I remember calling dispatch. I don't know. I have an unknown trouble call. I'm being waved over. I pull over, and, he, and a gentleman, I roll down the window, and he goes, my father's dying inside. So I called a squad, and I uh, ran into the house, and immediately I could see he was in cardiac distress, and he was laying on a bed in the living room. And I didn't feel like the bed was the best place to do CPR, and I pulled him onto the floor, and I immediately started CPR. And... Uh, you know, I don't know if you've never done CPR. People do it in training. But when you do it for real, uh, it's a very taxing event. And, uh, you know, I could hear the uh, cartilage on his chest break as I was doing the compressions. Mm-hmm. And now it's uh, 30 compressions to two breaths if you do American Heart. Back then it was 15 and two. And uh, Actually, now they've changed it. You're not even giving breaths anymore. There's no more breaths. No, it is just I, straight compressions. No, we just certified uh, last week. Well, now, shit. I just certified last year. And they're like, nah, don't breathe. Well, and it's like... They're probably like, if you're going to do breast, yeah, go ahead. But you just want to uh, keep anyway, that thing pumping. Go ahead. Well, so anyway, we certified God. Monday American Heart, and it was uh, 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 30 and 2. So uh, I'm, I'm doing the compressions and the breaths, and um, as I'm looking down, I could see that his bladder had evacuated. And out of the corner of my eyes, as I'm kneeling over him doing the uh, CPR, I can see the fuzzy slippers of his wife, and out of the peripheral vision, I could see up to about her waist, and she was wringing her hands uh, against her, her, her house coat, and, you know, just desperately hoping that we could do something. And um, 
I'm giving the breaths and uh, the fellow regurgitated into my mouth. Mm. And I'd always thought at a time like that, if something happened, you know, your adrenaline would take over and it does, uh, you know, I spit everything out. I kept going. The squad got there eventually. And of course they took over and they're using the Ambu bag to give the breaths. And, uh, you know, he didn't make it. And I felt like I had failed him. Uh, uh, felt like I'd failed her mm-hmm. and, but we had served. And so I look at, in my career, the two greatest things that I tried to do uh, had nothing to do with enforcing the law or with arresting an offender, putting down a disturbance. They came with providing aid to those in need. And I think that's what it means to serve. Now, when we protect, uh, those are when you go into the house and you have a woman who's being abused by a bully husband and you say, okay, no more. And she doesn't want to press charges. And of course, Ohio, we have a preferred arrest state and you remove that bully. And honestly, people will tell you when we interviewed people for North Ridgeville police officers, we didn't want bullies at all in our department, but what we wanted were bully busters, <laughs> people that would not take gruff from people when you went into a bar fight or when they went into that house and, you know, the, People would demand they get out. You're going to take care of that victim. They can't take care of themselves. And I'll be honest with you. We have a ton of deputies over at Loring County Sheriff's Office, and they're bully busters. They're the type of person they're not going to take the guff. They're going to protect the downtrodden. They're going to protect those who can't take care of themselves. And if I'm elected sheriff and I, I'm... God damn, I want to go that. work for the sheriff's department right now. I mean, could you after the drop? Wow, you think I'm kidding, Jack? Uh, oh, this is why I got hired right here under this guy. So, oh, so I'm you, watching him talk, and I I feel like I'm watching my dad. I'm like, I, I think, just need you to do. You me know what? When we get done here, yeah. when we get done here, I'm drinking the rest of this bottle. Mm-hmm. Me and him are going out. I got a list of people in Ridgeville that need to be bully busted. Yeah. Me and him are going out after this, and we're going to take care of business. Who are you we're start, like the, who are you we're, start with. We're like the star chamber, bro. <laughs> you think I'm joking? I just, I just want you to do me one favor. Next time when you're sheriff <sighs> and you got to deliver that baby, and it's Christmas again. And that thing cries and you slap it on its back and you hand it to its mom. I just want you to look at it and say, happy birthday. You missed an opportunity there to wish I, to be I the first one to wish it a happy birthday. I, I was so ecstatic. That baby I feel like cried. that's a movie. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's the tagline, right? Oh, yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> so what he's saying about bully busting, right? Um, so me and Vince Zapp, um, I don't even remember. You were still chief, I think. Uh, we went to a call at, I believe it was the Albert Street Apartments. And it was a domestic violence call. Somebody from downstairs had called and said, hey, look, these people are fighting up there. I hear them yelling. Colonial manor. We get up there, and we don't hear anything. I stop at the door, put our ear to the door, and there's a guy in there, and he says, you shut the fuck up. I swear to God, I'm going to kill you. That's what he says. And we're outside, and I look at Vince. Vince looks at me, and we're like, holy shit. I try the door open, Ooh. right? No deadbolt, no nothing. I look at Vince and I hold up one, two, three fingers. We open that door, guns out. We walk up and I remember walking up, putting my gun right to that guy's forehead. He is on his knees at a chair. The girl is sitting in the chair and he's got his hands up by her throat. And I remember walking up, put my gun to his forehead. We threw him on the ground. Vince handcuffs him. We get her and she's the same way. Doesn't want to pursue any charges. But you know what we did that day? We rescued her from that, and that girl ended up leaving that guy when we arrested him. She had time to get her stuff, move back home, whatever. And you know what? When we got that guy under arrest, back in those days, we knew where we stood, right? You weren't going to beat this guy up and then go to the chief and be like, hey, look what we did. 
because he was gonna he's gonna fuck your shit up, dude. I mean, you were gonna be off for five days, right? Ten days, maybe fired, right? We got that guy handcuffed. That was it. That was it. Done. But I remember walking in there, and that was one of the best experiences I've I've had as law enforcement. It really is walking in there, and that girl is scared to death, and this guy's telling her, "I'm gonna kill you." And you know what? Here comes the cavalry, right through that door. Guns out. Guys on the ground, he's screaming, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, looking like a bitch in front of her, right? Not so tough now. Some real right? men walking yeah, in. Not so tough now when guys with guns are walking in here, right? That was one of the best memories I got. And that was that was his, that's what he created there. Mm-hmm. It was. It was bully busting, man. I mean, we never walked in there like we were we were God or we were running stuff. But I'll tell you what. If you were the bully, you were gonna hand, you were gonna get your business handled. And this is the this is the thing that you know. You said that the current sheriff is is a buddy of yours, and maybe he's not running a, a, a hostile department or a department where everyone's scared. Um, but maybe maybe those guys that do work for him should reach out to guys that have worked under you, uh, just to see, just to confirm. I'm sure you know. Hopefully, they listen to this show and can understand. Oh, they will. <laughs> They'll listen to this one. Sure. Um, but they, people got to know because working scared is not a good way to work in, 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 in police work. And listen, working scared is not just working. Look, I'm scared of what he's going to do. Working scared is I'm worried that he's not going to have my back, mm-hmm. right? I'm worried that I'm out here working alone. That's working scared too. Right. It's not necessarily, look, I'm, I'm worried that he's going to come after me. It's that he's not going to back me up, mm-hmm. that he's going to play the politician role Right. If I got to kill that black guy on the side of Route 10 because he pulls a gun on me or, you know, he's he's beating me half to death and I got to kill this guy. Do I have my bosses? Does, does my boss have my back? Right. Right. So or does he is he going to play to the media? That's going to be the worry. And I'll tell you right now, Rick Thomas, 100 percent. Never once was I worried about this guy not having my back. I can tell you as long as you did what was right. Look. You did what was wrong. You're on your own, Jack. Man, <laughs> you didn't give him one chance. <laughs> Depending on it, they could get one bite of the apple. Depending on the offense. Yeah, uh, but I, if it was I egregious, a, you couldn't let it go. I, I had a um, an occasion that Jim and uh, oh, one shit. of the lieutenants uh, got into a traffic altercation. They went to a traffic altercation at Learnagle and Chestnut. And uh, they ended up arresting somebody. And um, there was a Cleveland police officer stopped by. Oh, I remember this. And uh, we had some citizens that, that stopped, and uh, they people took a lot of witness statements. Uh, and I remember calling them in my office and uh, having a word with them. And when they came in, the, the, he wasn't a lieutenant at the time, but the officer came in, and he still had the footprint of the offender on his chest where he had kicked him in the chest. And I had him come in, and I, you know, obviously there was a big commotion. We got a lot of calls about the fight there. And they went off the road, and they were going hands-on with this guy. And uh, we pulled the video, and, of course, they went off camera. And when they went off camera, you could hear, you know, my officer get kicked. And one of them said, I'm going to break your, a word I'm not going to use, leg. And the it was next fucking, <laughs> I'm going to break your fucking yeah, leg. Yeah, I remember it, this. It, I was there. I was there. And then, um, they went off camera and I heard a lot of screaming. And, uh, 
So I brought him in. I said, guys, look, I've got all the witness statements here. I've got people that we talked to. Um, I said, you know, what you did was not wrong. I said, but I want you to listen to the audio on this and how it plays. And you heard the officer get struck. You heard, I'm going to break your leg. And then you heard the guy screaming. I said, not only do we have to be right, we have to look right. And they understood that. I mean, nobody got disciplined over that, but there was a cautionary tale about what's going to happen. You turn it into a, to a learning situation. Oh, absolutely. Well, let me tell you this, though, that it was a learning system. But uh, what had learning. was. Well, no, it was, it was learning. Because uh, years later, I had a pursuit with a guy, and you're going to remember this, uh, started Speedway down Ridgeview, Drake, Jaycox, Jaycox down into Avon. Guy drives back behind his own house or his parents' house, and he crashes into a barn. He jumps out, and he is like, oh, motherfucker, screaming at me big. I mean, and we're in the middle of nowhere, right? I'm calling out. I'm like, uh, we're, we're out behind a barn in on Jaycox <laughs> in Avon. I have no idea where I am, right? Guys are, I see lights screaming past me. I pull my taser out. I tell him to get on the ground. Boom. Hit him. Falls like an oak tree. Right? Gets down on the ground. The first thing I say to this guy is, stop moving. I do not want to do this again to you. I do not, do not make me do this again. Just stop. And the guy's like, look, I'm done. I'm done. I Just stop. Went up there and handcuffed the guy. And you know what? It's that thinking right there. It matters how it sounds, right? I understand you get into stuff, right? You get into stuff, things are happening quick. Heat of the moment. But it matters how it sounds because we are, so we're, we're back behind this barn, but there is a street in Avon, a residential street just behind us. And if I had been out there yelling like, motherfucker, stay on the ground. I'm going to fucking hit you again. I'm going to hit you again. And then the guy's screaming. That's what my witnesses hear, right? Yeah. They're like, hey, look, I heard that cop screaming. He's going to hit him again. And the guy was on the ground. And I don't. So, I mean, that pays. That pays dividends, man. I mean, that's. But it's it's constant training. It is constantly being told, this is the way we're going to do things now. This is the way we're going to do things now. This is the way we're going to do things now. And it beats it into your brain, and it works. That's it. Go ahead, Dan. It's a learning moment from Saint. Was a learning moment. from Saint Thomas over here. Saint Thomas. <laughs> Saint Thomas of Lorraine County, Assisi. You like that? I'll make the shirt. Don't worry. Let me it. also say that I think Rick Thomas now is going to have a spot on our show, and we're going to call because Nick owes me. Okay. Right? I gave Nick a hundred bucks. He never gave us because yep. we didn't need it. Yep. He owes me one jingle. Mm-hmm. We're gonna make a Rick Thomas for Sheriff jingle, and we're gonna have him in here for words of wisdom from Rick Thomas from time to time. It's not gonna be as funny as Jim's dad. <laughs> no, no, he's running for office, but no, I'm telling you, this is gonna be fantastic. You wait till you hear your jingle. Holy crap. Man, so same all right let's get into real quick here man we're already god dude quit looking at the time no i can't i'm not worried about this time but listen okay i want to jump into the guns constitutionally all right where are you at let's just real quick overview of the constitution what is more important than the constitution for you um if there's anything more important than constitution it's probably my personal faith 
But other than that, <laughs> when he started talking, I was like, "Oh, this is going to go horribly oh, no. wrong." What no. did you that was fair, St. Yeah. Thomas, to say. Yeah. <laughs> that was fair. But don't get me wrong; I, people who know me are not going to say that. Uh, you know, gee, I know Rick Thomas. He's not an overly religious guy, uh, but I was raised in a very religious family, and the constructs of that have stuck with me my entire life. Uh, I've never smoked. I've never drank. Uh, you know, it's just uh, now. My language sometimes leaves a little be desired, and, and probably, <laughs> to probably, me when I'm sitting in your office. Uh, so, but but uh, you know my belief in a higher power is you know pretty strong, and uh, you know I you know I, I it just I do I believe I'm blessed. I believe I've had a blessed life, a blessed career. Um, I'm looking at the biggest blessing I ever got in my life sitting right over there. Uh, my wife Debbie. Oh, I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, Debbie, and she's going to disagree with this. Right? She has not aged. She is exactly as I have remembered her. The hugs she gives are exactly as I remember. I mean, it is literally, it is, it, it's a comfortable place, man. I mean, this chick right here is bedrock. Bedrock. Well, ho- hopefully she can give out a lot of hugs to everyone in Lorain County. Well, I hope. I hope. Well, you, now. You remember Christmas, Mr. and Mrs. Claus. Oh, I do. Yeah. I do. I do. Uh, Second Amendment. Let's just say right now. Federal government says, look, things are too hot, too hot. We're going to suspend the Second Amendment. We have this list. Everybody who owns guns, you got to turn them in. We're going to give them back, <laughs> but you got to turn them in right now because things are too yep. hot. And this question comes from Dave from the Facebook page, right? right? If the federal government would pass it. Too law, hot, right? Things are going bad. Uh, we have to suspend it. Not forever. Not forever, Dave. Two weeks to flatten the Two weeks to flatten the curve. <laughs> We're going to come in here. And we're going to take your guns, but we're going to give them back. You're going to turn them in. We'll give you a slip. Turn them in your county. Mm-hmm. Turn and we'll them give into you a sheriff. slip, and then you can come back and you can get them back. Mm-hmm. What say you? Never in my lifetime. Oh, my man. God. Chills. I'm not even kidding. You know what? I'm going to put my hood up. I'll drink to that. I'm so cold right now. <laughs> All joking aside, though. <laughs> yeah, you're on. It's his, it's his headphones. Oh, okay. Plug him in the back. I'll put him back on. All right. So there, there we go. go. We're good. All right. Okay. So, uh, and he's 100% right. Um, well, no. But, go but, ahead. But does, I mean, but does every sheriff, do all 88 sheriffs need to sign that? Well, yeah, they do. But listen, our listeners are very constitutional. And that is one of their big questions. All right. You say never in my lifetime. Yes. But so I, what happens? What happens for, for Sheriff Thomas when the federal government shows up and says, hey, we need help with your deputies. We're going down to these four houses here. They have guns, and we need to take them. Yeah, I believe in abiding by the law, but my principles are such, if I can't do that, um, I may have to resign office. No, they don't want you to resign. No. You know what they want? They want a big middle finger. They want Buford T. Justice, <laughs> and they want a guy with a shotgun who's going to stand there and be like, look, not in my county, Jack. Not, not today, Satan. Right. You know what? If this is where I make my stand, this is where I make my stand. But you guys are out of line. Mm-hmm. Now, the question comes in red flag, right? Personally, I don't believe in red flag. I believe in due process. I think if somebody wants to take somebody's guns because of these red flag laws, then you go to court, you get a judge, you get this guy to go in there and give his testimony. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in red flag. But where are you? And I understand you got to follow the law, but at what point do the laws, do you look at the Constitution, you look at the laws, and you're like, look, where's this cat's due process, right? 
I mean, you don't just get to come in and take people's guns. I think the gun controversy, and you know, I own multiple guns. I, you know, I'm a former member of the NRA. I don't currently have a membership with the NRA, uh, but for years I was. Um, and I probably own 20 guns. Um, That's not enough, but well, go I've ahead. So, I've sold Rookie some numbers. Yeah, Rookie. Yeah. Well, Wayne Ramsey, he's my salesman. So I've been, <laughs> yeah. been offloading yeah. some 20, 20 guns is what he told his wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I think it boils down to, in large part, you have to look at everything individually. What are the things? And that's why I am very, very opposed to when things come out that paint with a broad stroke. And, and that could be on any number of laws or issues. Um, so I think you have to look at things individually. There are some people with clearly have mental health issues, should not have a gun. There are clearly some people with um, issues regarding uh, drug abuse that should not have a gun. Uh, and I think when you've got, uh, I, you know, I'm a big believer felons should not have guns. Um, and I agree. So, but if you're... But is that in the Constitution? Well, no. The Constitution, no, it is not. But you know what? It is state law. Right. It is, it's federal law. And I think that any common sense person that looks at this and says, all right, this guy's been convicted of armed robbery six times. He should not have a gun, right? The guy that's in your neighborhood who is crazy as shit should not have a gun. This isn't just a free-for-all, all right? I, and you know me, man. Yeah. I'm all about the Constitution, but there are limits. You cannot have crazy people walking around with guns that are deciding that, you know what? Jews are the downfall of this country. I'm going giant eagle, shoot me up a bunch of Jews. Yeah. You can't have that. But when they put Shall Not Be in Fridge down there, they figured everyone still had one on their hip. So if that asshole got a gun there, he was going to get dealt with in a duel well, or like well, on the street real quick. So, Sheriff, would you be willing to duel people in the street <laughs> if, like, if he was like, I'm not crazy? You're like, you are crazy. He's like, no, I'm not. You're like, all right, duel 10 paces. He's like, I'm your Huckleberry. I'm, I'll be your Huckleberry. Are you willing to do that? Uh, no. One of oh, the, one, shit. One of the duties of the I would have voted for him. One of the first duties of the Sheriff, if you look at the Ohio Revised Code, is to preserve the peace. So uh, that's my that's my constitutional obligation. Him and a stupid obligation. I mean, that leads us, well. That leads us right into the to the elephant in the room, right? You want to talk about the elephant? Well, in the room? We, we can get into this. Yes. So, well, hold on, hold on. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Okay. Um. All right. So, ultimately, Second Amendment stand behind hundred percent. Depending, right? And I, I don't think common sense people have a problem with that. Nobody wants crazy Jack down the street to have guns, right? Nobody, but we believe in due process. Yes. We believe in crazy Jack has his time in court. And if he chooses not to show up and the court rules, okay. Right. Right. But if crazy Jack shows up and he says, hey, look, I'm not crazy. This is just what I believe. And the judge says, all right, well, shit, you're not crazy. Then we don't take crazy Jack's guns, right? Um. Rest of the Constitution, we can go over everything real quick. I mean, just, you know, First Amendment, these auditors, uh, First Amendment, uh, Fourth Amendment, uh, Fifth Amendment. Where are you at on, on, on all of this? You know, uh, I don't think anybody in law enforcement is really jumping up and down for joy about the First Amendment auditors. But for the fact, the fact is, they're exercising their right. 
And so we teach them in the academy, don't make it more of an issue than it is. You know, if they say, you're, I'm filming you, you got a body camera on, I'm filming you right back. Uh, just and, and the law has been very clear, the court cases that have come out on this, they can't interfere with your lawful duties. So you can tell them to step back to a reasonable space. They can't do something that makes it unsafe for the environment or for the officer. But other than that, they're entitled to be there. And the officer can like it or not like it, but he's got that constitutional right to audit you and see what you're doing. And really in law enforcement as a whole, if we wouldn't rise to this, it probably wouldn't be such a big issue. Uh, Let them have their day. And if you're not doing anything wrong, um, you know, you really don't have anything to worry about. That's one of the good things about body cameras and car cams. Very often when this stuff hits the media and social media, they're only showing certain viewpoints of this and they're not showing the larger picture. Once the larger picture out there, an informed public can say, oh, okay, this isn't what they was made out to be. Uh, so First Amendment auditors, I, honestly, I have no problem with that. Uh, I, I, that being said, uh, am I overjoyed and am I encouraging people to go do that? No, I'm not. But it is their constitutional right. And, you know, um, that's a nice thing about America. I don't have to like everything you do and you don't have to like everything I do. Uh, we live in a country where our views and opinions uh, don't have to have sway over another person. So, um, you know. It's all fair, man. Yeah, so. It is all fair. And I'll tell you right now, if you are a, const- or a uh, First Amendment auditor and you're listening to this quit being a dick right quit going out there and just trying to get these guys in trouble but i agree with the chief i agree that they have their their rights and this is what you know people want to say or or people are going to say ah you're just you know what uh you you're just believing what the chief's saying you're just uh whatever you're just letting them go on these are things i've experienced with him these are, these are my life experiences. This guy is not lying. This is who you want as your sheriff. This is the kind of guy you want as your sheriff. This is the kind of guy that's, that's fair to everybody. Um, so here's, here's the elephant in the room. So you've listened to this thing for an hour and 20 minutes. Right. And you can go to rthomasforsheriff.com. rthomasforsheriff.com. Real simple. He says, I have the right skills, training, and experience to be your sheriff. You have listened to him. And you're like, you know what? This is my dude. Mm-hmm. This is my dude, man. Yeah. He stands by the Second Amendment. Yeah. He's going to hold his deputies to account. You've had his back since day one. He's had your back since day one. Dude, this is my guy. Here's the elephant in the room. And Jim, if I could just add one thing. Oh, know, at, the, at the police academy, we recognize that we're turning out the next generation of police officers. And currently, the Ohio Peace Officer Training Academy curriculum doesn't have anything um, regarding the First Amendment audits. You know, there's not a specific Is that right? Because CPT does. Yes, CPT does. But if you look at the basic training program, uh, there's nothing specifically directed toward that. However... Just so everybody knows, CPT is training that... Law enforcement has to take every year. Yeah, We're con- mandated to take it. Yeah, 24 hours what of is continuing, continuing professional, professional training. Okay. Um, so what we've instituted at the academy is uh, not only do they have training on first uh, training and test on First Amendment audits, they get specific tra- additional training on de-escalation and how that works, and then they get training on duty to intervene. And we talk about how hard that is. And you look at some of these things, and if you take George Floyd, and you had very junior officers with a senior officer, and you know going through the field training process as a junior officer, it is very difficult 
to buck what your FTO says. So we stress that in the academy, and we tell them how hard it's going to be. But ultimately, it's their career on the line. So we stress that duty to intervene. We stress the escalation, and we stress the importance of properly approaching and handling those First Amendment audits. I mean, he's telling you everything you need to know. Back to the elephant in the room. (laughs) The elephant in the room is that Rick Thomas is running as a Democrat. Now, there's a whole lot of our listeners that are going, God damn it, I was snookered. I tell you, I was snookered. I didn't know. I didn't know this guy was a Democrat. There's not a lot of Democrats that will even come in here and sit down with us. No. Um, Let me tell you who Rick Thomas is. Right. Rick Thomas is Tulsi Gabbard. Rick Thomas is that one Democrat that I would vote for. That old school liberal? Old school. Well, no. Yeah. Not even liberal. Old school Democrat. Kennedy Democrat. Right. Mm. Moderate Democrat. Says, yeah, look, I believe in some of the Democratic stuff, but I also believe in the rule of law. And right now in this country, Democrats can't do that. Right. They can't believe in the rule of law. They have to be all in. They have to be AOC. They have to be Tlaib. They got to believe the same thing about abortion. They have to yeah, the same yeah, thing yeah. About- Look, hey, yeah, killing babies, that's great. Yep, this war, you know that what? war. Oh, Hamas cutting the heads off babies? Of course they should, right? But not Rick Thomas. I'm telling you right now, this guy's moderate. You have heard him talk for an hour and almost a half now, mm-hmm. and you loved him. But now you find out he's a Democrat, and this is – this is, this is where we are as a country. You cannot vote down the line anymore. You have to listen to the best candidates. And we've said that about the local races since we started sure. the show. Sure. Democrats in the local races don't matter like Democrats do in the federal races. Right? They want us to be split like that, though. But let me ask you this. Why? Because since I've known you, and every time I see you're a Democrat, I'm like, wait, what? Every time. Because your, your values are conservative. Your law enforcement values are conservative. But where does the Democrat come from in you? Are you a Kennedy Democrat? Are you an old school Democrat? Maybe a Bill Clinton Democrat? No, come on now. <laughs> I am sorry. Debbie, I'm sorry. This is the shit he does. This is not. Maybe he plays the saxophone. That's not what you meant. You're a <laughs> son of a bitch. Go ahead, Chief. You know, my father was a... Uh, member of the United Auto Workers. And, you know, I, I, I tell people we were raised on UAW bread and butter. He worked General Motors 34 years as a tool and die maker. And uh, he was a lifelong Democrat. And we would have, especially later in life, have uh, these conversations. And certainly as Democrats go, I'm probably the most conservative you're ever going to see. Uh, <laughs> Agreed. But I'm a big believer in reaching across both sides of the aisle that uh, sometimes you need to compromise on your positions. Um I'm not extreme on either side. Um, And frankly, over the last years, uh, I worked for and supported Dennis Will when he was running for prosecutor. And so that I could vote for him in the primaries, uh, I remained uh, a Democrat. I supported, uh, you know, Phil Stamitty, uh, would always go to his fundraisers, would donate to his his campaign. Uh, Like I say, Phil and I have been friends for many, many years. He's been to my house. Uh, I have a high degree of respect for him. He's the longest-serving sheriff in Loring County. He's the only sheriff in Loring County to ever be president of the Buckeye State Sheriff's Association. Um, 
you know, if if I have a dig on Phil, it's that he wasn't Army, he was Navy. Uh, so, so so he couldn't get in the military? Uh, Freaking seaman. No, so he, when he went... He, he's very proud of his na- naval service. So is I've he, got, though? Because that's, that's, that's an internal joke between he and Well, I. I'm just saying. Uh, so he wanted to go in the military. They said no, and he said, well, I'll go in the Navy then. So, Listen, my dad uh, was in the Navy, though, but he flew, so that's yeah. different. It's not like he was in the Coast Guard. Chris <laughs> um, <laughs> And honestly... Um, you know, I hired a political consultant when I got into this, and my original plan was to run as an independent. And that's what it should be, damn it. Well, no. it would be nice. Off. It would, you know what? You know what? He should be no, able to. you say that. He should be able you to. You say that, but you know what else I respect is the guy says he's a Democrat, and I'm going to stick to that. And if people don't like me for that, then don't vote for me for that, right? But this is who I am. You vote for me for who I am. I'm going to come out here and I'm going to talk to you guys. I'm going to let you know where I stand. And if you don't like me for that one thing, see you later. But that's why we can't get the Independent American Party off the ground. No, because they're 80. So we called the American Independent Party. Mm -hmm. All right. So (laughs) Dan wanted to like take over the American Independent Party. No, the Independent American Party. Uh, Independent American American Party. Party So anyway, you find this number, we call them. Well, sure enough. 10 o'clock at night, they answer. <laughs> and the guy's like, hello? <laughs> Dan's like, is this the Independent we, American Party? We cold called them from the studio like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. The guy's like, yeah? <laughs> so Dan tells him what we're all about, and the guy's like, well, I'd like you to talk to our leader, but he broke a hip the other day, and he's in the hospital, and they're all like 90 years old. Dan's like, I'm taking this over. He goes, <laughs> right? we got an email list of 2,200 people. <laughs> Dan's what? like, it's going to be a hostile takeover. What? I'm going. You know, the last election, 2022, 78% of uh, Lorain County voters voted independent. That's what I'm saying. It's and bigger than both sides, oh, and we it, just it can't get a hold is. of it. Um, you know who's going to get a hold of it? Robert F. Kennedy. Here's what I appreciate, though, is he's a Democrat because of his father. Father gave him a very good good life, worked hard, right? I, I can appreciate that. He's not spouting the Democratic bullshit, right? He's not spouting the progressive bullshit. He is is spouting the Kennedy Democrats, which we have always said that if one of those came along, we would support them. Tulsi Gabbard, hello. We would have voted for Tulsi Gabbard if the Democratic Party didn't tanker. If the Democratic Party didn't kill Tulsi Gabbard, we would have voted for her, right or wrong. We've talked about it many Absolutely times. Absolutely we would have. That is who this guy is. Look, the the, the 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 years of just voting down the line are over, man. You see where that's gotten us. You can't vote R. You can't vote D just because everybody has told you to do that. You've heard this guy talk. You know he is right for the sheriff's position. You can't say no just because he's a D. You cannot. And I'm telling you that this guy is what he says he is. I've experienced it. I've lived with it. I lived with it the first, God, how many years that I worked there? I'm telling you, this guy is not bullshitting you. This guy is 100% true. And what he says he's going to do, he's going to do. And you're going to see losses at the sheriff's department. You're going to see guys that are like, I am not about this. Let them go. Those are not the guys you want working for you. But he is going to replace those guys with guys that want to be there and guys that want to serve the community, guys that understand what it means to serve, right? That aren't out there for a paycheck, that aren't out there to screw off every day. I am telling you right now, this is not your typical Democrat. This is not your AOC. This is not your Tlaib. 
this is this is the real deal, man. And if you're going to vote no because he's a Democrat, you're what's wrong with this country. You are what's wrong with this country. So what are we doing when I go to the VFW on Larry Nagel? What I, do you mean? I can't I can't vote for him unless I pull a Democratic ballot. All right, then you know what? Right. Well, yeah, but you in can in Ohio in Ohio you can you can pull whatever ballot you want for the primary. That's true. So you vote for him. You got to let the people know for sure. You get him on there, and then you know what? But what if there's other primaries that I need to vote for on the Republican side? That's where that's where the that's where the pool is. That's why it's like, man. If, but I guess I'd be in the same boat if I was an independent voter and wanted to put other people in office. I pull an independent ticket. Well, how does that work if you pull an independent? Don't you, you get both? You probably just get all the you all the issues, issues in the independents, right? So that's why they have us. Well, in this, this is a conversation we need to have then. Yeah, after he wins the primary, we're going to have him back. This primary is in March of 2024. You said uh, absolutely. I'm excited about that. But if you go to rthomasforsheriff.com. What else is going on in 2024? Presidential election. In Fuck. Dude, RFK running as an independent is going to put a whole monkey wrench in this mm. thing. That's going to hurt. That's going to hurt. Because, yes, that's going to hurt. You know, I didn't even think that through, man. I mean, that is going to hurt. He's going to pull, pull better than Ross Perot did on numbers. Here's what you're going to have. You're going to have Joe Biden in his Democratic nominee. You're going to have Donald Trump or whoever in. Yeah, and then you're going to have to ask people, all right, look, to vote for Rick Thomas, you're going to have to pull a Democratic ticket. Yeah, three-quarters of the city of Ridgeville is going to have to do it if we want to get you on the, on, on the, on the national or on, on, the, on the main. So we're just going to have to have him back and kind of talk this one out and see. You know, we'll see how the reaction is from, from all the people, from what they've heard. Be real honest about I'll it. Tell you but. what we got, though. Tell me what uh, we got. Well, you got Elyria, you got Lorraine. They can carry this, right? But you got to talk to your neighbors. You have to talk to your neighbors so that if, if you are going in and pulling a Republican ticket, you talk to your Democratic neighbors. You're like, look, this is our guy. Elyria and Lorraine can carry the sheriff, regardless of everybody else. For the whole county, yeah. They absolutely could. Mm-hmm. But the word's got to get out in Elyria and Lorraine. And I'll tell you right now that if Leary and Lorraine elects your sheriff, the entire county benefits. I like what the, just the top of his page says. The sheriff is the highest ranking law enforcement official in our county. This is not a political role. It's about safety. Whether serving on patrol as chief or training young officers, I've continuously looked for new innovations to balance community safety with justice. And if for those who are interested, November 1st, at uh, St. Mary's Hall Parish uh, in Elyria, 320 Middle Avenue. We're having a spaghetti fundraiser uh, as a campaign kickoff, and we would love to see you there. If you go to our website, uh, you can obtain tickets there, or you can get them at the door. What is your website? Uh, rthomasforsheriff.com. How about Facebook? I have a Facebook page. It's oh, by come first on! <laughs> yeah. Rick what is it? Rick Thomas All right. for Sheriff. Rick Thomas for Sheriff. That's Facebook on page. Facebook. We'll follow it with the Pop Bless America page. Yes, sir. And listen, we're going to have him back on here. We're going to get him a jingle, right? I believe in this guy, and this guy needs to be the next sheriff. Um, so what do you... Do you prefer St. Rick or St. Thomas? St. <laughs> Thomas, for I, I, sure. I really, I really like Rick. St. Rick? <laughs> Just Rick. Just right. No, Rick. no, it's got to be St. Something. <laughs> Because you, you, hey, you haven't swear, you won't drink, won't, no. won't smoke. 
How about this? <laughs> oh, here it is. Uh, yeah, Rick Thomas for sheriff. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll post a Only link to it. Only 142 likes. Let's bump that shit up. We're gonna get it up. What the hell? Don't you worry about that. Uh, so, but the, but the people he's running against don't even have just as many likes. There, nobody needs to know. All right, this we, is me and you. We won't tell a soul. I'm not even. I don't want to. Yes, I don't want to know. I don't want you to talk on this mic right now. When I retire, I want to have a drink with you. So, moving on, <laughs> Dan. Uh, like you said, you can go to our thomasforsheriff.com. He's got a donate button. He's got. We are going to have it on our page, too, because we, we support this page. guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? In fairness, maybe we have Rick Resendez on. Maybe we have Jack Hall on. We'll talk to them, too. But probably not. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll have him on. We'll have him on. Uh, no, I'm, I'm happy to see somebody like you that... You, you, you could be on a, if you were into like sailboats, you you could be halfway to Madagascar by now. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure you got enough coin where you're not doing it for the, the $108,000 that no, no, when this guy retired, we're all like, uh, <laughs> we're never going to see him again. And here we are still seeing him. Um, but the sheriff's department needs a face and it needs somebody that, that everyone can get behind. Um, and if it's a Democrat that nobody can even tell is a Democrat, and that's cool too. I just saw. Well, I just you know saw. What? You know who I ran into? You're the and, problem. <laughs> who cares about being a Democrat? Oh, it's, it's a bit progressive. It's, it's a bigger issue than you think because people will see him on the ticket, know nothing about him, and he lost a vote just because of what it says. And that's because that's the, you know look back to the media. Not only did the media give the police this 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 bad look that no one wants to sign up for it, they did the same thing for how divided we are with the R's and the D's, and that's right where they want us. All right, listen, we're going to give you the last whatever. From now on, when you start talking, this is your say. We're not going to interrupt. As soon as you're done, we're going into our outro. So go ahead. Okay. A couple of things. Um, one, uh, the Democrats. Uh, my wife and I have been to a lot of Democratic meetings lately. I have to tell you, there are many, many great people there that their overwhelming desire to help and make their communities better. When we talk about all politics being local, it's quite inspiring. I mean, it's people that really work hard, donate their time. So I wouldn't paint everybody with a broad brush, uh, just like I wouldn't paint me with that brush. Uh, Two, um, the people that might leave the sheriff's office, I think, are probably smaller than you think. Uh, It's been my experience. uh, The people have been hired out there are actually above average they are really pretty hard working i'm inspired by what's out there and what can be done um other than that uh, you know if you look at our website you look at our uh, facebook page uh, we're going to have events and things there uh, we're going to get out in the community more talk to people um I am pretty much what you get. The, the rub on me for a long time has been if people complained about me, they said, you know, Rick Thomas is just black and white. He has no gray area. Okay, I'll concede that. Uh, you know, that's, that, that is who you get, and, and you well know that, Jim. Um, I want to be the sheriff because I still have a burning passion and desire to serve, and I don't believe any organization like a sheriff's office or a police off, a police department should be there unless service to the community is your number one goal. Uh, we have a four-part mission statement that I instituted at the, share, at the uh, police academy. Number, our goal, number one, is give the cadets the knowledge and skills they need to become a peace officer and pass the state uh, certification examination. Number two, to inculcate in them the importance of service to others above self. And that's inscribed in everything we do and how we carry out our mission. 
Number three, the importance of excellence in service to the communities in which they're hired. And number four, something I've tried to embrace myself, dedication to being lifelong learners, because this profession, as you well know, is not static. It is very dynamic. And I've tried to keep abreast of that and so that we stay fresh and modern with our approach to solving society's problems.
best rendition I've ever heard, Madison Rising. Listen, they are now have rebranded to Made to Rise. Go on iTunes, wherever you listen to your music. Look up Madison Rising, Made to Rise. Give them some love, right? If you have any questions, any comments about this uh, episode here, you can reach out to me at jim at pbapodcast.com. And you can find me at dan at pbapodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook at uh, Pod Bless America. You can find us on Twitter at Jim and Dan Show. Uh, Dan, you got anything else? Yeah, soon to be Sheriff Rick Thomas, huh? Do you know what they call a quiet sheriff? Hey, it's oh, no. <laughs> Do you know what they call a quiet sheriff? Quiet herb. Quiet herb. Are you kidding me right now? That's the best you could do. You had an hour and a half to think about this and quiet herb. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> You know what? I, speaking of, I got to get a hold of. Hey, it's Jeff, the conspiracy theory. <laughs> you know, wait till he hears hey. it before. <laughs> Dude is so mad at me right now. All right, I'll see you guys later. 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 <laughs> <laughs>